Welcome to Mormon Book Reviews, where an evangelical encounters the restoration. So I have a very special guest on today um, who's coming on my program kind of at the last minute because we're having some issues with some of our other videos with editing. And Paul always extended to me, Steve, if you ever need a guest at the last minute, I'm your man. And so I just want to welcome a good friend of mine, Paul DeBarth, um, who I met through the Book of Mormon Perspectives Forum. And we're going to speak about that briefly. But before we do that, Paul, why don't you introduce yourself to my audience? Thank you, Steve. It's a pleasure to join you. And I appreciate that your forum has been so successful. And uh, it's been a pleasure getting acquainted with you. I particularly appreciate that uh, your evangelical vantage point has provided a remarkable additional view of uh, Mormonism that has uh, helped us out in our Book of Mormon Perspectives Forum. I am Paul DeBarth. I began my archaeology career at uh, Nauvoo in 1971 with Robert Bray as the director of the project out of the University of Missouri. And then I stayed with that project. I became his associate to uh, Doug there from 75 through 84. And then after retirement, have gone back with what we call the I Dig Nauvoo webpage. And you can see uh, what we've been doing on the Joseph Smith Senior Home Site, the Samuel Smith Home Site, the Hiram Smith uh, uh, sites as well. And uh, we have a number of monographs underway with John Whitmer Historical Association that will tell those stories. But uh, fundamentally, you can look at uh, idignavu.com and, and follow what we're doing. And that's a place to volunteer as well if you'd like to join our excavations next uh, summer. Uh, we commonly dig from middle of May to the middle of June. So if somebody was wanting to uh, uh, come out and maybe spend a vacation or for a week or two out in Nauvoo, uh, they could go to your website and sign up to maybe do some volunteer work for a few days or whatever. Exactly. And it, we have found it especially convenient for grandparents to bring their grandkids and give those kids a chance to dig and find artifacts. And when kids find artifacts, it ties them into history in a way that no other experience does. And so it's strongly want to encourage that uh, because we do want our, our project to be educating people as much as we can. So one of the things that I'm going to have you back on again is we're going to talk about the prehistory of Nauvoo, which is also very fascinating. But in, um, before we get into today's topic, I just want to mention to, the, to my viewers that um, Paul, we briefly mentioned, uh, is part of the Book of Mormon Perspectives Forum, which is a, a Zoom call that's every Monday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. And uh, it's, it's a very interesting group because it has people from all across the restoration are involved in it. I started getting involved in the group when I started engaging the community of Christ. Now, Paul, you are affiliated with the community of Christ. Is that correct? Yes, I am an elder. My wife was one of the first women ordained. So, yeah, so you guys are very important individuals, if you will, uh, within your uh, faith community. And uh, so basically, the Book of Mormon Perspectives Forum is a group that I actually gave a, a presentation to last May called An Evangelical Encounters, the Restoration and the Book of Mormon, or the Book of Mormon and the Restoration. And I'm actually hoping to maybe push, put that presentation on my YouTube channel and maybe take selected presentations that have been given to the group. John Hamer's spoken to the group, Jonathan Neville's spoken to, Josh Gailey. Uh, these you know people that have been on my program, I might put their presentations on. So very exciting group. I want you all to check it out. I'm going to leave a link in the description about that. So, uh, Paul, you're going to give uh, me a presentation and, and my audience about the work that you're doing with the Nauvoo Mansion. So I just want to invite you to kind of 
tell us a little bit about uh, when you started getting involved in it and all that good stuff. And we're going to have a nice presentation and I'm looking forward to it. Well, thank you, Steve. Uh, the excavations on the Nauvoo Mansion site began in 1977. We conducted a series of preliminary studies and identified 100 uh, squares that we wanted to test because they either had uh, infrared material that was showing up uh, from our aerial photography. They had, uh, they, they had uh, metal detecting evidences. We used the probe and had evidences from the probe. We also had historical research and then the surface contours. And uh, by four overlaying maps, we determined 100 squares that needed to be tested. And in doing that, we uncovered uh, uh, features in 97 of them. And so the preliminary study was extremely effective. And the result is that uh, we have a good deal of information to provide for the reconstruction and restoration of the Nauvoo Mansion and its hotel to put it back in the 1844 condition. And my hope would be that one day we can have people coming to eat dinner at the Mansion Hotel and uh, eat on plates that are the same that, as what we dug up, uh, except they would be new ones, and uh, eat meals of the, of the type that we found the material of in the latrine. Uh, really, to be able to have people in costume, possibly have Joseph and Emma there to act as hosts, uh, maybe even letting, letting people spend the night in the upper bedrooms. Uh, I think that uh, kind of experience is the kind of hands-on history that our uh, legacy for the restoration really needs to provide. Just real quick, just real quick, what is the significance of the Nauvoo Mansion? The mansion is the home of Joseph Smith Jr., which was established in 1841, according to the, uh, the revelation that was to, to establish the Nauvoo House. There's also a note in there that, that, um, that, that Foster was to build the, had a contract to build the house for Joseph. Well, that 1841, that's January 1841 uh, revelation is sort of a passing note and we don't have any document uh, to show the contract that Foster had, but it appears that he must have gotten it underway because by April of 1842, we have the evidence of uh, Caswell, who was not a Mormon, who visited Joseph Smith at the mansion in April 1842 and uh, Joseph uh, fled the, the discovery, the, uh, the session, because he'd been tricked. Uh, Coswell had brought a, a Greek Psalter, and Joseph translated it as Egyptian figures, Egyptian hieroglyphics, like what he saw on the plates. And then once he discovered he'd been, uh, he'd been snookered, then he took off. And so Coswell includes a note of that uh, experience in two of his books, 1842 and 1843. So to have these early references outside of Mormonism that speak of the uh, mansion house, actually it would have been known as the prophet's house in that initial year. That, but when they moved, when they added the hotel wing in 1843, then it became known as the mansion house. Um, we have actually uh, several names that it's been attributed, but the uh, mansion house is the one by which it's commonly known today. It is most significant in the fact that here is the headquarters for a presidential campaign. Joseph Smith in 1844 ran to become president of the United States and the Mansion House was the headquarters of his campaign. 
And this is one of those curious historical anomalies where the presidential candidate was assassinated during the campaign. Uh, it's very important, I think, for us to look back and see that because Joseph Smith was advocating in 1844 an end to slavery by having the United States sell lands in the West and use that money to buy the slaves from the slave owners so they would not be out any money and slaves could continue to work for slave owners or if they wanted to while they're free or they could move on and no one would, would, uh, would lose out. That strategy was just one of the platform planks of that 1844 campaign and uh, clearly there's a lot more to that that I'd like to get into. But let me just share a little bit about the mansion house itself, because I think uh, uh, people that have not had a chance to visit it, they will want to. In 1890, it had this appearance. Uh, you see the hotel was still attached. And there's a big chimney at the east end that uh, would have held the, the uh, flues for fireplaces in both the ground floor and below and actually three uh, floors, plus the, uh, the uh, uh, ovens for the, uh, for the structure there. We conducted the excavations over a period of, eight, of 1977 to 1983. Um, those excavations showed that, that here's the front yard, here's a walkway made of brick that, that uh, circled the, the house, and you see a line of bricks marking the edge of the flower bed. Um, we have evidence that shows here on the left the foundations for the home for the mansion for the prophet's house 1842 and it's very simply brick um, not very deep very very shallow foundation but then on the right you see the foundation for the for the uh, hotel which was limestone with brick on top they made the brick on top line up with the brick of the mansion so that it would look nice and then here you can see that uh, more clearly Here's the two basement, basement rooms. The back one was used for storage and the front one was uh, where they had the big oven and uh, fireplace. And then there may well have been arranged there as well. And here's the fireplace and oven that, uh, that were at the east end of that structure. And there was a well just beyond that. And then we excavated the well and cleaned it out. It went down 28 feet. And interestingly enough, the historical record indicates it paid $28 for that well. Here is the outhouse, which is on the lot line. And you can see the, the width and depth. It's a big, big hole in the ground, eight by 16 feet. And you can see the design on the left there were three holes for the ladies plus a child and three holes for the gentleman plus a child. And I'll leave that question of how do you determine which side for the ladies, which side for the men? Uh, for the audience to ponder. Uh, the question here then, uh, when we had the siding off the east end of the mansion, uh, you can see the smoke hole up in the top where the fireplace, uh, the, the stove uh, stove pipe for room 10 went into that chimney. And you can see if you, if I get my sensor marker here, you can see the step out of Joseph and Emma's bedroom into the hallway of the hotel. And that step required cutting this big beam, this six by eight inch oak uh, collar beam that reaches all across here. They cut that in order to make access to the hallway upstairs in the hotel. So they weakened the structure, a structure that was already weaker because it was on a weaker foundation. So a lot to, a lot to learn just in the 
archaeology of this particular site. There were two different uh, cisterns built in two different periods. And so again, in 1842 period, we have this cistern on the left. And then in 1843, they added the cistern under the servant's wing of the hotel. And that uh, would have would have put the soft water immediately below where the servants were living. So it'd be convenient for washing the linens and so forth. And whoop, here I just skipped what I wanted to go back to. Uh, here you can see a, a picture of the servant's wing area. Um, the, the cistern was immediately centered underneath the servant's wing. And then they had a fire, we had a, a stove there for holding the water. But uh, the servants probably would have been sleeping upstairs. And that servant's wing you see matches the north wing. So the uh, structure would have been a, a very nice U shape. And off the southeast corner, we ran into this very fascinating feature angling from the corner of the building toward Water Street. And when we excavated it, we found that it had been lined with brick. And this was a major drain. Uh, so not only were they collecting enough water off the, off the roof of the mansion and hotel to fill these 2,000 gallons cisterns. They also had this large discharge area, which I think undoubtedly gives rise to the later rumors about a tunnel from the mansion all the way up to the uh, temple site. Actually, it only goes out to Water Street. That's as far as we traced it. But it is interesting, I think, to see that, that uh, there is some background for some of the rumors that have been built to the, to the site. Here's a picture of just some of the artifacts that we've retrieved. And you can see there's, uh, there's a significant uh, pattern of uh, the blue shell edged. That's one that clearly was used a great deal. The plain undecorated are also prolific. And in the foreground, you see some of the more decorated wares. A more specialized look will allow you to see the, uh, the black transfer printed picture on the left, the banded wear picture on the right, the black Russian bear's grease pomatum for, uh, for greasing down one's hair on the right, uh, the, the umpaw pipe, uh, the J.E. and Smith, the J. and E. Smith mug, 1840, presented by E.B. And I'm anxious to get help on figuring out who E.B. was. So any of you that have a good idea are, please, are certainly welcome to let me know uh, because we have about eight possibilities there, none of which has been clearly um, settled upon yet. And I'd like to, to raise, uh, I'm about to conclude here, but I wanted to, to show there's a problem with the history. On September 11, 1843 at 6 p.m., according to uh, Willard Richards, the scribe in the Joseph Smith papers, it says Joseph, Hiram, William Law, Newell K. Whitney, and Willard Richards had a season of prayer in Joseph's east room of the new house Law's little daughter who was sick and Emma who was some better. That same meeting in the meetings of the anointed quorum record says these same men has a season of prayer in Joseph's courtroom, Newhouse, for Law's little daughter. That same event in the history of the LDS church records the same men meeting, quote, in my private room where we had a season of prayer for Brother Law's little daughter, unquote. So here we have the East Room, the courtroom, and the private room all referenced for the same event. And so this calls to question the accuracy of any of the historical notations 
that we have that give us a single location. On the other hand, we have numerous references to Joseph Smith's office. We know that he had an office in the red brick store, had an office in the smokehouse, had an office in the homestead. He had probably two offices in the mansion house. And so which office is referred to makes a very interesting uh, dilemma. And so let me just highlight that in the mansion house story, uh, we're looking for help to finish it out. I have a draft before the editor, but there's a lot more that could be added. Uh, I'm looking for those people that had a wedding there. I have one example, but I'd be, be pleased if others that had that got married at the mansion house would let me know. And if you've been there and had a unique experience on a tour, or if you're one of the people that gave tours there, if you work there on the grounds, or if you have a family tradition a story about the mansion that comes from having visited Joseph and Emma, having seen a ghost there, having attended significant meetings there, having been influenced by it in some way, I would like to, to invite you to email me and let me know the, your, your story. Because as I'm writing the story of the mansion house, I'd like to get as many of these personal accounts as you can. Very interesting to me to see that in 1938, Eleanor Roosevelt paid a visit and was uh, given a tour by, by Fanny um, Bender. She and her husband were the caretakers at the time. Fanny had gone to Mexico with her first husband and to learn Spanish. Then the church sent her to the West Indies to establish a school. So here was this internationalist lady who then um, uh, married and, and moved to Nauvoo and was there as host for Eleanor Roosevelt, who then of course was one of the most remarkable international figures of the century. And so I, I find that interesting and curious. One additional comment here, because the Book of Mormon Perspectives Forum has also influenced my book. We have uh, Stephen identified uh, Chris Thomas as one of the more significant uh, uh, non-Mormon writers about Mormonism. And so I invited Christopher Thomas and uh, of course got his book on the uh, Pentecostal readings of Book of Mormon and found that he cited uh, Henry Caswell's uh, books, two books on that visit to Nauvoo. So there I got reinforcement and, and more accurate uh, historical reference because of his work. And then on the right is a picture of, of um, Spencer McBride, who wrote the book on Joseph Smith for president. And to be able to pick up on the, the full campaign platforms, the, uh, the nature of the 1844 campaign and um, that, that whole story is a fascinating part of American history that I think people don't know enough about. And I therefore am anxious to, to have us have the conversations that will, that will uh, expand our appreciation. Steve did mention that we have a lot of prehistory. Let me just note, we have 10,000 years of occupation on this site. The uh, Dalton Point that is right here in the upper left is found on the, uh, on the Mansion House excavation site. And then the, the hardened corner notch was actually found on the, on the Patriarch site. But uh, all of these projectile points are, are from that site, from that area. And so it takes us all the way back to the mammoth hunters. And then we have 6,000 years of bison hunters. And then we, in among the bison hunters, then in that period on the Mansion House site, we found this uh, canine. There's my wife excavating it back in 1983. And it's accompanied with projectile points that dated to 5,000 years ago. And then we have the early woodland burial, the, these, the early woodland and middle woodland burials that we've uncovered were on the homestead site, but on that same peninsula 
the same bend in the river. And here are 11 skeletons that predate 2000 years ago. And, uh, and so to have a sacred site for made sacred by the burials of people for 2000 years, I think is a remarkable addition to our understanding of the same block that the Smith Family Cemetery is located upon. And then we also have a middle woodland occupation there. And there, there was a funeral offering with that, which is portrayed here. You see the cranium of the gentleman next to the red brick store with uh, a dozen of the oval bifaces. One of them, the dark one here is Dongola Church in Tennessee. And then the Catlinite pipe is from the Catlinite mines in Minnesota. So there's a thousand miles of um, material spread to bring things together for the uh, prehistoric evidences of significant occupation on Nauru's Peninsula. So I conclude with the need for us to restore the mansion. I want people to imagine being able to go there dressed in Mormon period garb, eat dinner, be served by people playing the roles of Joseph and Emma and other significant dignitaries in Nauvoo. And I'd like for, uh, for the meals to be prepared according to what we know that they were on, on the ceramics that we know were there uh, using the glassware by Bakewell and Pears that we know is there. And uh, we want people to be able to maybe even spend the night in, in one of those 10 upstairs rooms. Um, six of them were not heated, so you probably don't want to do that in the wintertime. It's a fascinating, significant spot in American history where 400 people uh, who were missionaries from Nauvoo went out in 1844 to not only be missionaries for the church, but to advocate campaign for Joseph Smith to be president of the United States. This is a significant point to a benchmark in American history and his story needs to be told. Well, thank you very much, Paul. Um, why don't we, if you can, exit out of the uh, of the presentation mode, and then I'm going to just ask you a few follow-up uh, questions. Um, first of all, um, from my understanding, Joseph Smith had a, a bar in the mansion house, is that correct? Yes, the, the bar room would have been the, uh, the southeast uh, corner room, which served as the office as well. And so people would go in to register. You enter the mansion hotel from the west in the prophet's house and uh, the, the office or keeping room and bar room was on the right. It was actually known as the bar room well before the Porter Rockwell incident. But after Porter Rockwell came, then uh, that uh, incident of uh, Emma saying, telling Joseph, either the bar goes or else I'll go back to the homestead uh, with the children. That inc incident of 1844 uh, tends to, to uh, make people question the bar, but uh, it, it is clear that with Theodore Th Turley, um, the neighbor to the east setting up a brewery that um, alcoholic beverages were available. So what just, uh, I'm very curious about your personal experience of engaging um, this archeological dig uh, what, with the well, before I get to the night, I just want to ask you a follow up question about the relics that you're the ancient relics that you're getting. Are you do you work in consultation with some of the local tribes, uh, Indian, uh, Native American tribes, like uh, in, make sure that the, the objects are respectfully handled and stuff like that? The uh, excavations of 1976 and 79 were taken by Jane Bikstra, who's a human osteologist at. Uh, at uh, Campsville, the University of, of Illinois. And she, is, she has become one of the world's foremost 
human osteologists, human biologists with uh, research in South America and Europe. Uh, particularly, she has done research on head lice in the mummies. But um, while she's known for all that, she got her basic uh, educational background uh, in the Illinois project and, and the pictures that we have of her uh, wearing a red scarf and standing on her tippy toes between the bones of the uh, skeletons that we had rough cleaned and she and her crew fine cleaned and retrieved. Uh, yes, those are, are well, my, my point would be that we do need to honor the, the peoples who have been there, the mammoth hunters, the archaic bison hunters, the first pottery makers who are the early woodland people from over 2000 years ago, the middle woodland peoples who brought in the, the trade goods from all around the country and later people as well, and, and then the historic tribes as well. So yes, because we have 10,000 years of occupation, I believe that all of them ought to be honored by some kind of uh, monument and recognition on the site. So for you, uh, you're, you, you do a lot of, I mean, this is just must be such an exciting thing to be able to be part of this. What, just tell me, uh, just on a personal level, what has it meant to you to be able to get your hands in the dirt and really explore the history and, and, and engage it in such a tactile way? We did a test at the homestead uh, in 19, uh, yeah, 20, what was that the year? Uh, it must have been 2013. And in that test, uh, underneath the beautiful hackberry tree, I, we had gone down over a foot and, and run into a significant quantity of chert chips. So that evening, I went back with my, my paper to, uh, to map it in. And I sat there on the west edge of that, right next to the fence, with my feet down in the, in the square, and was mapping in all these little pieces of chert. I had found there was a pile of them to the left a pile of them to the right, another pile of them in the center. And I then began to realize that I was sitting where someone 5,000 years ago, we, we, we actually were able to match the church chips with the projectile point we found just a few feet away. And the same, the, the same uh, uh, geophysical markings on it indicate that here we're dealing with a 5,000 year old deposit of of working, of lithic uh, working that uh, was done by someone sitting exactly where I had sat. And he'd been there 5,000 years earlier, looking west across the river toward the beautiful sunset, admiring the beautiful landscape that we now see as Nauvoo. For me to be able to, to reoccupy the same place that someone occupied 5,000 years ago was a most moving experience. It was a most moving experience for me to be assigned by Robert Gray in 1971 to be the one that excavated the bee house and to go down six feet and discover the sand, to discover the north wall of that structure was still there, the brick on top of the limestone, but below that and to find the coffin nails still in place, marking a coffin that was not rectangular, but was uh, rounded around the corner, around the shoulders. I was surprised at that, uh, to be able to to get that close to the, uh, well, to be participant in the burial and recognize that uh, some of the bones that we found might very well have belonged to those gentlemen, although there were other burials in that vicinity as well. It was, uh, it was for me, again, a very moving experience to be identifying myself so closely with the burial site of the prophet and his brother. Mm. It, it uh, the, the site to me does have a very deep emotional 
connection as well as, of course, the uh, investigative connection as an as a, a archaeological effort has been conducted over these years. So, you know, people, uh, you know, who have been to Nauvoo recognize that, of course, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has um, uh, many sites and visitor center, but also the Community Christ has uh, owns significant, uh, important um, places within Nauvoo. And I think one of the most wonderful things about Nauvoo is that uh, more so, and, and also Kirtland, but Nauvoo in particular, is that you have this uh, engagement with the, what was the RLDS, now the Community of Christ, and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Let's maybe talk a little bit um, about that convergence that happens when you have people come and visit. Well, because we have not been a funded project, we have done the work, uh, uh, the archaeological work as volunteers. We have invited, uh, back in 19, uh, 2012, Locke Mackay, who was the site administrator, and Bob Smith, who uh, was the descendant of Samuel Smith, uh, Joseph's younger brother, uh, and myself as archaeologists, uh, teamed up to form I Dig Nauvoo. And in the process of doing that, we, we consulted with, uh, with Ken Farnsworth and John Walthall, who are two of the eminent archaeologists of Illinois, and they became our mentors for this uh, voluntary effort. And so we've invited people who are members of the families and people who are members of the organizations and people who are simply interested in history and archaeology to come dig with us. So we've done, it, done the work with uh, volunteers since 2012. And that has meant that our crews have almost always been composed of people who, uh, whose, whose religious backgrounds differ significantly. So we've had restorationists, um, LDS, Community of Christ. We've had, when we were working on the, on the Battle of Nauvoo site east of town, we had people on our crew who whose ancestors were on opposite sides of that conflict. And so to be able to have people continuing to work together because of their mutual interest in the history and the archeology span has been a real pleasure for me. And I think it's been an experiment in Zion. And because we've been able to work together and not had anybody kill each other yet, then uh, that, that really motivated me when the COVID uh, occurred, uh, we couldn't dig anymore. So we set up the Book of Mormon Perspectives Forum because the Book of Mormon as a commonality has allowed us to continue those fascinating forums in which people can negotiate together, present together, discuss, and, and be able to try to work our way toward a more Zionic community. And that's the beautiful thing about your forum and kind of what I'm doing as well is trying to get the restoration to talk to each other and to build bridges of dialogue. Um, and of course, I'm, I'm the evangelical out interloper in all of this, but I've been blessed to be able to have so many wonderful people come on my program. And your group, actually, uh, I, there are many people that made presentations. So just you understand, folks, everybody's welcome. Um, so we have the Community of Christ, we have Church of Jesus Christ, uh, the, the, what was referred to as the Bickerton Organization. We just have all these, uh, and, and then, I mean, everybody's been on, uh, from all different uh, aspects of the restoration, which is basically what my channel is doing. So we kind of, in parallel, before we even met each other, kind of had the same vision. And so I just want to thank you so much, Paul, for coming onto the program. Um, I, just, I just really appreciate it. You just have a brief final word you'd like to share with my audience. Thank you so much, Steve, for the invitation to share with your people. And, and I anticipate that... Uh, the extended family of people who care together, love together, willing to share together, 
discuss and uh, explore the, the culture of Zion, see what we can do to move us closer to that. I think that there is a tremendous legacy in Nauvoo to instruct us toward our own future. So I just want to remind my audience to uh, like and subscribe. Uh, don't forget to hit the like button uh, so that you can be informed when a new video uh, comes out. And I just want to thank you very much again for coming on and uh, have yourself a blessed day.